Imagine walking into a place that's filled with tweeds of every kind you ever wanted but didn't even know you did. Knitwear stacked to the ceiling, each with a different fair isle and argyle design. A British bearskin hat on a shelf behind you and a cup of Yorkshire tea in your hand. Welcome to a retail store? My name is Jeremy Kirkland, and this is Blamo, a podcast exploring the world of fashion with the people who shape it. My guest this week is Sean Crowley, the founder and owner of Crowley Vintage. From growing up in New England watching Masterpiece Theater and working for Bobby from Boston, to a brief stint filmmaking in LA, to slinging ties at the Rhinelander Mansion and meeting Ralph Lauren and joining his team, ugh, whoa. We dive deep into Sean Crowley's influences and how he came to open and curate one of the best vintage shops in New York. Sean Crowley, it's a huge pleasure to chat with you. How you doing? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Well, I'm glad you're here. We're in your shop. Well, that's why I said that. I'm happy to be in my <laughs> shop. It's, it's a happy place. <laughs> yeah, I confess, I've your shop is a shop that I'm always like, yeah, I'm going to go to Crowley Vintage. I'm going to go to Crowley Vintage. And then something happens with my kid or something, and I don't have a good excuse. Really, well, hey, I hear you. But walking in here, and just so people know, as I, there's been tons of pictures and stuff of your shop before. It's um, it's a little bit on the, and I say this in a polite way, on the intimidating side. And the fact that you have so much good stuff, I like. I don't even know where to begin. When you think of a retail Thanks. store, you're like, oh, here's the good section, and then everything else is just in the corner, which is fine. So you yeah. think of you know Barney's R.I.P. You're like, I go to this floor, everything else is trash. Your floor, your store, I'm, everything is amazing. It's, it's incredible. Well, thank you. Yeah, there's, uh, you know, every, every vintage shop has its filler, but, uh, and I do too, but, but I, I, even I, I like, even the filler is good for me. You yeah. Know, I, uh, <laughs> I really, I guess my, my approach to starting the shop was that I, I didn't want anything that I, you know, I've, I've worked in retail before and, uh, I didn't want anything in the shop that I didn't absolutely love. Right. So, uh, you know, if I can't get excited about it, then I don't want it in here. So, and w- well, to d- what excites you? Um, God, that's a great question. I mean, uh, for me, it's 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 this spectrum of things. It's it's the you know the the construction, the quality, the the color, the the pattern. You know, it's it's. The history, all all of these things combined, right? Um, yeah, menswear. I think you know, unlike women's, is uh, is more about details and more about nuance, right? Mm. It's not broad strokes; it's small strokes. So, you know, I've got a rack of tweed jackets over there. Yeah, and it, and and it is a serious rack. Yeah, it is it's, not. It's there's three jackets. It's out of control. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know. Uh, Almost all of them are single-breasted, notch lapel. Like, you know, to the kind of casual observer, they'd say, well, what's the what's the big deal? You know, it's just a bunch of the same jacket. But each and every one has a thing, has a story, has a, a detail, has some something about it that makes it special. Right. And, and it's, not, it's not big, per se. I mean, it's big if you know what you're looking for, but um, it's subtle. Yeah. Well, I mean, details, I was caught off guard by the fact that, you know, so it was very generous of you, you made some tea for us, but the, uh, the spoon you gave me is a, it's a vintage spoon. I mean, what the heck? It's, and you, what's, it said the Park Plaza Hotel? Yeah, from the Plaza. R.I.P. Like, yeah, because you were like, oh yeah, I like to collect, like, so let's, let's jump back, because you're from Boston. Yep. 
And where where did the idea of collecting come from? Because ever since I've been aware of you, you were you know you were a guy that worked at Ralph Lauren. You had three thousand ties, blah blah. But you're a guy from Boston who had a story before that. That's true. That's true. Yeah, it's um, uh, you know, it's the kind of thing where I I grew up with it. I grew up with collecting. I grew up with antiques and and frankly, grew up with design because my grandfather was a designer. For and, who? Uh, for a, a bridal house in Boston called oh, cool. uh, Priscilla's. It was a very, within that world, it was very famous. It was kind of the Vera Wang of, oh, okay. of, of that period, you know, from, say, the 50s through the, the 80s. It was like the big bridal house. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so he designed for them, and then he also designed for uh, my grandmother. He made a lot of her clothes, and he made... Um, He's a whole. There could be a whole podcast on my grandfather. He had a um, his hobby. I mean, he had many hobbies. He was an artist. He was a self trained musician. He was all these things. But he made these beautiful uh, miniature fashion mannequins. They were these little uh, kind of like probably third scale um, women that he would create these original, complete gowns and ensembles in the spirit of the Victorian through Edwardian periods. And that was something that, all for me growing up, that was just what he did. And I grew up next door to my grandparents. So that was, that was what, you know, some guys' grandfathers, uh, you know, uh, go fishing or, you know, make model airplanes. But sure. he made these beautiful, perfect scale miniature women, basically, in, in the style of another period. Um, so, so yeah, and, and then just my family, there are a lot of artists and makers and crafts, you know, art, artisans, and it's just, it's a really it's amazing, amazing collection of, of people that I, that I was surrounded by, and then also collectors. So my father, you know, I grew up going to flea markets and antique stores and auctions and estate sales and all that stuff. Um, and I think now, as an adult, I think how it could have gone either way. Where, you know, if you grow up with something, <laughs> right. you know, it's like if you're the far- farmer's son, yeah. you could you could grow up and say, man, I hate farming. This yeah. is stupid. And you could just walk away. Um, but for me, I grew up with all this stuff and I, I grew up and I said, man, I love this stuff. You know, this is like, this is what excites me. Right. That was kind of the, the very, you know, nexus of all this, or the, the, uh, the beginning, I should say, of all this stuff. So you're into this stuff. It's all around you. And when is it that you make a decision that this is something that you kind of want to trade upon? I mean, did you did you study this in school? Did you? Uh, you know, it's a funny thing. I I actually went to film school, okay, uh, film and television. I went to Emerson College in Boston, and uh, I wanted to make movies. You know, and that was the I'd grown up. You know, in the '80s, with uh, you know, obviously, like George Lucas was my hero. Yeah, Steven Spielberg, all, all of the, the you know, all the people that we all grew up with. Yeah, and that that whole kind of dream of creating a world and a story and and everything it just it was so intoxicating, and so that's clearly what I what I'm going to do with my life, right? <laughs> so I <laughs> wait. I, how old are you when you say that? I mean, literally from, I was insufferable. I mean, from the age of, you know, uh, probably eight or nine, I was just obsessed with movies and film and the whole, that whole world. Yeah. 
So, and I, and I stuck with that. And then, you know, in, in high school, I actually, high school was probably like my most prolific, like filmmaking that's right. in quotes period, because I, uh, had an amazing, uh, TV teacher in high school and made amazing little projects and it was so fun and incredible and loved it. Then I went to school to college yeah. and, and then, uh, kind of little by little, I think kind of fell out of love a little bit with with the the industry, you know. I mean, I obviously still love film. so not not the art, but the industry. There's a big yeah. Well, well, there. I mean, I guess I'd kind of lump it all together. But I okay, I started to see how the sausage was made. Yeah, and and you know that can be demystifying, right? Yeah, I, I you know, and then I think it all kind of came to a head when um, you know towards the end of of uh, my time at college, I was actively. Uh, taking classes at other schools, you know, I was do I did like a costume design class. I did, uh, you know, history of um, history of fashion, you know, stuff like that. Wait, and, how do you find the time to do that? Just as a side note, well, like, I was able to like cross register kind of thing, like so I could get credit. Oh, taking something completely out of my uh, major. Okay, I understand. It was great. Yeah. So, um, and then my God bless him, my my professor, my. Um, uh, television professor, uh, TV production at Emerson, uh, for my like final, like senior thesis, mm -hmm. he, we were, we were, you know, uh, friends. He was, he was a, a great guy, but he let me do my thesis on menswear. Really? <laughs> so it'd be like, if you were, you know, you're going to law school and you're like, well, my real passion is food and you, <laughs> you know, like yeah. they let you, they let you do do sure. your your, yeah, here you go. your thesis on on cooking so so yeah that was um so that so kind of by the end of that and then i and then the 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 real nail in the coffin was i went to i did a semester in los angeles okay because emerson has a campus there and i did that and i realized oof you know la is not my town <laughs> And I, I welcome frankly, to the family. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I actually enjoy it much more now as as a a grown up. Sure. Um, and I have friends there, and I go and I visit sometimes, and it's fantastic. But I didn't, and I still don't want to live there. But yeah, I definitely the didn't want to live when there. you visit. It's fantastic. There you go. Yeah, I, I guess we're on the same page. <laughs> uh, I'm a New Englander, so no, that's fine. Um, so I, I basically just realized, okay, this is not what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I had, when I was out there, I had kind of tried to pursue any, any contacts I had in terms of that maybe costume, you know, cause I love that. Right. You know, yeah. maybe that's a thing, yeah. you know, production design and the, the, the kind of the, the visual, the design aspect of film mm -hmm. and, and none of that really came together. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to head back, head back home. You know, basically I'd worked at school. Um, when I was at college all that time, I'd worked part-time for my friend, Bobby, Bobby from Boston, who I'm sure many people know. Oh yeah. Um, who in my opinion was the best men's vintage dealer of all time. Yeah. So um, Bobby vintage or Bobby from Boston yeah. is, is one of the most like famous in the, in the vintage circles of being, you know, African-American gentleman, fantastic storyteller, historian, knew it all. Sadly, what, he passed away in, like, 2016? Yeah, he passed away uh, almost four years ago now. Yeah, but um, he, he really birthed, you know, that a lot of this industry of, of being someone who can 
be almost part historian, part merchant, part you know storyteller. Yeah. It's just incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He he was. So I I had met him. Now I'm kind of moving back in time, but I had met him um, when I was like uh, I was probably 13 or 14, mm-hmm. and I. Um, you know, my, my grandfather, complete Anglophile, loved period film, loved, you know, BBC dramas and da, 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 all that stuff. So, him, you know, growing up next door to him, we watched, I would just go over there any old time, you know, on a night, weeknight or something and, and sit down with him and watch Masterpiece Theater, you know, watch Upstairs, Downstairs, watch Poirot, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah. Poirot, by the way, is, in my opinion, still one of the greatest shows oh. in history. <laughs> David Suchet. Oh, the best. Unbelievable. So damn Chris good. Wallace, uh, Mr. Porter, is also a obsessed Oh, cool. Okay. Poirot dude. So uh, good. Yeah. I mean, we can play the soundtrack if you want. I do have it on the on my uh, iPad. Um, so, so you're watching all these things. So watching all these house. things. And then I saw this show called Jeeves and Worcester, which you may or may not have seen. Oh, yeah. And that was just like blew my brains out. Like it was elegant and beautiful and funny mm-hmm. and and sophisticated it was all these things and and i just i wanted to be birdie worcester you know i was like and birdie worcester is uh hugh or hugh laurie hugh, hugh laurie yeah yeah so you know he is he is um sort of a, an aristocrat of of kind of vague um you know uh, origins he's not he's not you know uh, a peer he's not lord so-and-so he's just birdie worcester but um, but he's, he's amazing and his style was impeccable the way that they, they did the costumes and I, and, and I just, I was like, okay, that's, that's it. Yeah. That's it right there is that world 19 kind of late twenties, thirties elegance. That's sign me up. Okay. So, so it was right at that time that I met, um, that I met Bobby. Yeah. Because how old are you? You're what? I'm like, like I said, I'm probably 13. Okay. Um, 14, something like that. And so the flea market that I'd grown up going to, as it was like, it was church for my father and I, the flea market was church. You know, Mm -hmm. every Sunday, get up early, 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 go to the flea market. And are you buying things or are you just looking? Oh God. Yeah, I'm buying. You know, I don't, I don't have a huge budget. You know, I'm like, sure. Would you take 50 cents? Yeah. But I'm buying for sure. And my father and I are coming home with all of our treasures and, you know, having to sneak them into the house because my mother is like, oh, my God, really? Like, you bought another one? Yeah. Like, you already have 10. So I'm at the flea market and I meet Bobby. And uh, we were just like, it was like picking up the same item practically. Mm -hmm. And we started chatting and he said, oh, you know, I'm actually, I have a, I sell vintage clothing and I have a, uh, I'm opening a new men's shop just men's in Boston. And I was like, okay, cool. That's all right. I, I should come and check that out. So I, I went in, I think the first time with my grandparents and who, by the way, loved Bobby that they were like best friends, but, um, went in and saw this new shop and it was insane. It was like, I mean, I'm trying to think of a, an analogy, but it would be like if you were into, uh, you know, if you 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 got up one day and you were like, you know, I think I want to be a musician. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Music. Yeah, that's what I want. And then, you know, it turned out your next door neighbor, next door neighbor was uh, Mozart. You okay. know, and you're and you're like, 
So suddenly I'm like studying at the knee of the master and I've just got access to the most incredible vintage menswear ever. Because Bobby was, uh, you know, I think before the menswear renaissance happened, he was, he was shopping in the UK. Yeah. He was, he was getting all this amazing stuff that you wouldn't see anywhere else in the States. So, so now I've like, I've just decided I want to be Bertie Wooster. And now I go to the shop that's just full of Savile Row suits and old, old boating blazers and, uh, you know, white tie and tails and top hats. And, and there's nothing else like this. anywhere. there's nothing else. So I just this insane stroke of luck. And I, you know, I grew up and I'm living say 40 minutes from Boston, 30, 40 minutes. So it's so close. Um, so you start working there? So, yeah. So, so now I'm, I'm living in Boston proper. I'm going to school and I, um, I, you know, I need a part-time job. Yeah. So I'm going to work there. And so I worked there all through college. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've, I finished school and I realized, okay, like I, I don't, I'm not going to pursue film right now. Okay. So I go back and work for Bobby full-time. Yep. And I'm doing that, and and then I realized after probably a year or so that that I, I kind of I just want to do something else. I wanted to grow a little bit, and you know, pursue something else. And uh, I thought maybe try my hand at you know at design. And I'd met working at Bobby's because we would sell to all these great designers. I thought, well, maybe maybe there's um, some kind of possibility at Ralph Lauren because working working with these designers, I always thought the Ralph people were the coolest. Yeah. You know, they would, they would come all the time. And so I got, I got to meet all these different people from all these different brands. And I thought, okay, the Ralph people, they are like, they, they love this. They get it. It's not just a job. They, they love it. They live it. So I, um, went and got a job working at the Ralph Lauren store on, um, uh, Newbury Street in Boston, which was a mm-hmm. is a, a beautiful shop. I haven't been there in a while, but it's it's always a, a nice place. And worked there for again about a year, and then I got scouted by a good friend of mine, uh, Justin Christensen. Oh, uh, that's Hurtling. right. Yeah, um, he was working at Ralph at the the mansion at the flagship store, and he came into the Boston store one day and was posing as like a customer, and was like. Um, pardon me, can you tell me about these Are you pur- purple label shirts? Get out of town. And, and I was like, why, of course. You know, and I, and I gave him like this So he pitch. secret shops you to like recruit you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I, so I was like, well, it's the finest um, Egyptian cotton. Yeah, 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 yeah. And gave him this, this whole spiel. Man, I never would have gotten hired for that. Then I'd be like, yeah. "What? It's a white shirt. You want it?" Well, honestly, I, I I don't I don't think I was a great salesman, frankly, at Ralph Lauren. Sure, um, sure, yeah, whatever. But but I did. I just happened to give him a good pitch on this shirt, and and then afterwards, you know, he says, "Well, by the way, I'm the manager. You know, I'm the the men's manager at the the mansion." Yeah. Uh, blah blah blah. You know, is that? Do you think you'd ever? Is that you'd ever think about working there? And I was like, "Sure." You're like you know, uh, Rhinelander. Uh, like no, I never heard I didn't, of it. I really, you know, and I think back, and this is not that long ago, really, in the overall scheme of things. I mean, this is like 2004. Okay. And and it's funny because I just I was just kind of bopping along and 
just seeing what came, you know, I, I didn't yeah, have yeah. a grand plan. Right. And, uh, and so he said, you know, would you ever think about moving to New York and, you know, working at the men's shop? I think you'd be, you'd be great. And I was like, yeah, sure. So just kind of on a whim. Yeah. I mean, just an aside, there's, when you think of retail shops, you think of, I don't know, and, I, and I'm not belittling any retailer, but very few retailers inspire someone to move to a different city, to, to uproot their life. Sure. And, and also, when you think of the retail store, the first real true retail store of a brand was the Rhinelander Mansion, Ralph Lauren. So like you, you go to the absolute OG, real McCoy, like this is where it all started. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very, very big deal. Yeah, and and I, you know, I will admit, I had always appreciated Ralph Lauren, but I was not, I was not, you know, steeped in the lore and the the history and everything. And I, I mean, interesting. I, I think that's I'd rare probably, for a Ralph recruit. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd probably. I mean, I, like I said, I I kind of had a weird backwards experience where I knew, I knew the um, uh, the designers. In a way, mm-hmm. I knew them better than I knew the product. And so, what like is Virage coming in there and hanging out, or what is it? Um, at that point, I don't think Virage came. It was a bunch of people. Some of them are still there. Guys like uh, Cal McGee, okay, um, Lee Norwood, who's no longer there. Yeah. Um, Derek Miller. Oh right. Um, yeah. I mean, pff, a ton of people. I'm trying to think. Ernesto Ernesto Ramirez. Uh, Anyway, the Real list goes dudes. on. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot of these people, you know, they had been there. Uh, you know, they, they were, in a way, they felt like they were kind of the the end of the old guard, in a sense. You know, that they weren't, they didn't open Ralph Lauren, but right. they were they were there at a point where it was still um, uh, seemingly a, a smaller different kind of company, you know, yeah. and, and I was frankly joining the company at a time when it was going through a period of huge expansion and growth. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I guess I was saying that, um, I, I wasn't, you know, the mansion didn't really mean a lot to me at that point. You know, I think I, I didn't even know if I'd been there frankly before I, cause oh, I'd, geez. I'd been to New York, uh, you know, uh, probably a half dozen times prior to that, just visiting. And frankly, most of the time I think I went with Bobby, um, and I don't think we ever went to the mansion. So, so it was, it was like a really like being thrown into the, the lion's den. Yeah. Um, in a good way, like a friendly lion. Well, but you didn't last there very long, right? Cause you get, you get recruited again. Right. So I was there again, probably about a year. And then, um, I was working there and having fun and, and I worked in the tie pit. Okay, which yeah, I love I love that um, the little spot on the the ground floor on the corner where the ties and shirts are sold men's yeah. furnishings and and I was there one day and um, and you know who comes in but Ralph Lauren and Jeez. I'd never met him before and I see him in the you know over by like the cashmere bar is he just hanging so like is he just walk in is like what do you do well I I was like instantly just kind of jittery. You know, I was like, oh my God, like. Was there like, protocol, code words? Oh, you guys, we got. I think, I think there, like, I remember, you know, someone would come around and kind of go, oh, you know, Ralph's here. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph just walked in. Um, 
you know, meaning kind of like, right. you know, take your finger out of your nose and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, tuck yeah. your shirt in. Um, so, so I just, you know, kind of stood at my post, you know, sort of like <laughs> polishing the vitrine. <laughs> and, and sure enough, he came right over to where I was in the, in the tie pit. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> you know, we like, I'm like stiff as a board and he comes over and says hello and starts chatting and, and I immediately felt at ease. It was the strangest thing where I was so nervous and then we started talking and I just, uh, it just all melted away and I, I just felt like I was talking to anybody. So that, what you're saying, like that story in a lot of ways is really common amongst people that get to where you were on the way to get to and the company of Ralph Lauren is that to them, Ralph is their boss and it's not that they don't respect him, but he's also like, yeah, he's my colleague. Like he's, he's into this as much as I am. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, there's a, there's a special thing that, that happens when you can just, just talk to Ralph one-on-one. Oh, geez. Yeah. You know, there, there's a, there's, it's really nice. And, and you, you know, you don't, you don't feel like you have to be as, as, you know, worried about, you know, uh, politics and stuff like that. You know, you can just kind of have a, have a chat and just nerd out about, Mm -hmm. you know, sweaters and buttonholes and all this junk. So, um, so yeah, we had a, we had a nice chat and he said, and it was funny because I think I was wearing, I remember I was wearing a, uh, Ralph Lauren, obviously, um, double-breasted doe-skin blazer. Flex. Which I remember was, uh, you know, it was still kind of the, the old-fashioned cut, and it was so long. It was a very elegant kind of cut, but it was cut so... The skirt on this this double-breasted was... It was unbelievably long. I don't know why that makes sense. Well, but it's, anyway. it's not what you would wear right now, I guess. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I remembered, because I was such a, you know, a little smartass that I had to... I had to tweak it and I put, I took the, the polo buttons off of it and I put vintage, uh, RAF buttons on it. So you cut up original RL Garms and King Ralph comes and sees yeah. you hacked up his shit. And I think I even had like a, like a RA, like an RAF bullion crest on the, oh my the God. pocket. I was really going for it. So wait, what does he say? And he, he noticed it and he, he said, he said, oh, I like those buttons. And I said, oh yeah, they're, they're, you know, World War II, you know, Royal Air Force buttons. And, and he said, oh, okay, that's cool. You know, he, he was, you know, he, <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. He he was, he was like, oh, that's nice. I like that. Um, you're fired. Um, <laughs> And so, so he said, he asked me what I, what I wanted to do. And I said, well, I, you know, I'd love to work in men's design. And he basically said, okay, well, let's, let's talk about that. You know, it wasn't like, Good it wasn't God. so like Hollywood as like, kid, you got a job. Yeah. You, know, you can start tomorrow. Yeah. See me at 6 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Meet me at the stage door. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just, uh, he said, well, let's talk about that. That's the, you know, uh, that's, that sounds, that sounds interesting. So so that started this run of conversations, meeting with like everyone in design and, and that took, you know, months. Yeah. Um, and, and then finally I ended up, um, getting a, a job in, um, in neckwear. Yeah. In the tie department, which so is So now you're not fitting. selling it, you're yeah, designing right. it. Um, so I ended up working for uh, a man named Jerry Myers mm-hmm. and 
he had been there uh, for a while. He started at Ralph fairly late in life. I think he started working at Ralph when he was like 65. Oh, wow. So he was much older. Um, And he'd been there for a good stretch when I started. I forget when he started there now. But anyway, he was amazing. And he was a huge mentor uh, for me. I mean, I think of... I've I've been so, so lucky in my life that I have managed to meet the right people at the right time. Mm. And Jerry was absolutely one of those people. And he was a massive influence on me. He also drove me completely insane. <laughs> and and I drove him insane. It was kind of this okay. mutual yeah, a little odd couple antagonism. relationship. Yeah. And, um, you know, we were, we, we had a, a shared passion about the product, about the stuff, you know, and, but other than that, we had very different styles in terms of, you know, uh, he was absolute, you know, Martinet when it came to punctuality. I was not, uh, you know, he was very uncompromising and it was kind of my way or the highway. And, you know, if I said, Oh, this, Mm. I like that design. That's, that's kind of nice. And he'd just, he'd be like, no, yeah, it was just, oh. what are you out of your mind? That's crap. Okay. And so it, it was tough love. Um, and we, like I said, we really drove each other nuts. But, uh, you know, he was incredible. And I have to say, when he when he passed away, I was I was just gutted, you know. Yeah. Um, but he, he was really the person who I think really indoctrinated me into the world of Ralph Lauren. Right. And... When it came to my style, which leading up to that point, it was just English, 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 English. You know, if it's not, if it's not that, I don't want to know about it. You know, I wasn't Mm. really, I wasn't really interested in um, kind of what we now think of as the classic American style, you know, the kind of whatever you want to call it, Ivy or trad or whatever. It didn't, I didn't get it. Yeah. You know, I was so obsessed with this kind of Savile Row Bertie Wooster, 1930s thing. Still to this day. Well, at this point. Yeah, yeah. At this point. Sorry, that's what I mean. Yeah. And and so, you know, all that great um, kind of, all that great other stuff, you know, all the things that we take for granted, Seersucker and Madras and, uh, you know, all that wasn't wasn't really in my my head. Mm. And he, he taught me, you know, he was my like Ivy Yoda, you know, he taught me the ways of, of the trad (laughs) and, and he was the most impeccable dresser in that, in that style. You were a real capital D designer versus, and I, I don't belittle any other types of designers or anything, but there's, there's levels of involvement in design, uh, depending on where you're at. And you were a very highly involved designer in terms of like, it's not like, hey, let's look at these swatches and these five images from a brand consultant agency. Like, you are yeah. one of the main designers at Ralph Lauren. I mean, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn when I say I invented the rep stripe tie. <laughs> um, you know, I think right, if, right. I did. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it, you know, it, it, it was, it was uh, a real mix. Um, you know, we did a lot of real serious design work, but we also worked with incredible resources that, that could execute all this stuff and could help us with it. And, 
you know, it's, you know there's such a spectrum of design. Sure. And I, a lot of people think ego and obnoxiousness. and Oh, well, I wasn't even going to that end of it, but I was thinking more oh. in terms of the the uh, the skills, you know, like right. You know, okay, I wasn't I wasn't sitting down and you know uh, painting a paisley, <laughs> you know, which right. which people people do. people would do that. Yeah, that wasn't really so much what I did. Um, you know, I did create a lot of amazing uh, woven designs in, in that way, but but in terms of the, a lot of it was really working with vintage and working with. Uh, archives and and just finding all these great pieces and reworking them and 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 I felt like you know I was working for this this Jedi master of menswear between right. between my immediate boss Jerry Myers and then his boss Jerry Lauren and then Ralph's his brother. boss Ralph Lauren you yeah. know I mean I just was surrounded and then all all the design people I mean it was how long were you there I was there in total eleven years wow. Uh, I was in design, I think, really about 10 of those years. Okay. So, okay, that, that's, that's pretty significant. Cause, yeah, it was a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, a decade. And then, you know, after that, you, did you immediately start Crowley Vintage, which is what you're doing now? Or what was... Well, you know, I went through um, a bit of soul searching. I joined the French Foreign Legion and... Um, <laughs> I was I was in uh, Morocco, Marrakech, uh, right. Kathmandu. Um, no, I I uh, yeah, I, I basically I left Ralph, and I I thought there's there's really no other brand that that's like calling my name right now. Yeah. So and and I just I've been doing it so long, I needed a break, and so I thought, well, vintage is what I know, vintage is what I love. Let's do that, you know. So I started started up in a very small way. Um, Crowley Vintage, and just uh, really just through Instagram, you know, I really? didn't, didn't have a shop, didn't didn't have a website. It's really just kind of creating it in a very small way through Instagram, which frankly was even new to me. I I, I was very late to Instagram, and you know, it was yeah. Because well, what year is this that you started? Hmm, two thousand fifteen. Okay, fifteen. Sure. Well, that's really when I got on Instagram. Got on the IG. I think. Yeah, the IG. Yeah. So it was around 15, 16. Because you had the gear. I just want to be really clear. I mean, there were so many, wait, wait, you, you use the term the menswear renaissance, like so many profiles and things like that on you and your your Thai, you know, hoard that you had and that just the, the, the museum piece things that you had in your home and, you know, the, the what was it? Uh, Porter and Hollister Hovey and, yes. uh, and you know you guys were hanging out and everyone would see your home and just flip out on the internet uh, and everyone was like you know I I remember seeing lots of pictures of just your house or your, your apartment on Tumblr and you're just like where is that what is that what are these cool yeah. <laughs> museum pieces and it's interesting to me because you know for me I just knew you as the, he's the tie guy at Ralph Lauren but I was I, as someone who wasn't really wearing that many ties and I was like, oh, wear navy grenadine, you're done. Um, I was obsessed with just your attention to detail and the way that you laid out your house. I mean, just, the, nice. you know, it's just like the, the, the frames on the wall and the little, you know, British, uh, you know, sort of homages and, and you know, the period hats. Vignettes. and Yeah, all that stuff. And so you had the gear. So when you start this business... 
it's not like you didn't have any inventory and you're like, oh, I had an idea. It's like, true. who's there? And I say that in a, a complimentary yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, well, I think there's kind of a misconception that I, when I first started the first started the vintage yeah. thing that I was basically just raiding my closet, which which is not really true because I I had prior to that I had I'd basically been hoarding and <laughs> and not and not you know I'd always bought things for me and but I'd only bought things for me. I'd yeah. bought things that I could wear that fit me. But then, you know, I was such a an avid shopper that I would find great pieces. And, you know, there's that moment where I think probably a lot of, uh, I'm sure I'm, there are a lot of other menswear nerds out there who can sympathize with this, but, you know, you start, you know, you, you pick the thing up and you go, oh, mm, not my size. And you put it back. Yeah. And then you think, wait a minute, I can't just leave this here. Yeah, you know? this is a gym. Like, yeah, I can't just <laughs> leave this on the on the, the rack for God knows what. So, and it was almost more of this like, weird crusade to like you know save these these great pieces and you know i can't let it just linger in this you know uh field at this flea market or at this thrift store or whatever it was and then so when i started the 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 vintage selling i did i had a i had a uh you know an inventory yeah not not a ton but i had something and and i also basically took my um you know my like my nest egg from from Ralph days and yeah. and started just buying like a drunken sailor you know just just going out and really buying in earnest rather than just as a casual pick up a tie here and there you know but really really seeking out the inventory and it hasn't stopped since then so right. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to me and and I something I I want to try to clear the air on too is a lot of people Please do. think that vintage shops are just selling old things. Or this is something that at one point no one wanted because that's how you found it. And it's like mm, no, and I I even I'm not even a vintage shop owner and I take umbrage with that in the sense that there's a like you were saying earlier, there's a story to all of the stuff in here and also and forget the whole sustainability thing, because that's, I don't even care. But it's just like, but it's like the pieces in here are, yeah, like are works of art. And it's like, why is it that, you know, some guy was like, oh, I'm going to have a jacket made by this person. And it's it's a work of art where it's like, but this was already made. And this person's, you know, no longer here. And the way that this stuff is made, I would argue that I don't think you can find it anymore. I mean, you have, I was looking around earlier, and you have stuff made from companies that, you know, unfortunately don't exist and they're fantastic. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's really incredible stuff. And I think, you know, if a lot of people, they're just like, Oh, a vintage store is just this. And it's clearly not, I would say your store, you know, up there with other shops is, is, it's just an incredible experience. So thanks. Well, that's great to hear. I mean, it's, it is, it's, it's clearly a passion. Um, and, and, you know, vintage stores, it's such a there's Catch such all. a spectrum yeah, yeah i mean it, you know there are people who um who frankly probably make more money than i do who who just kind of buy and sell everything you know mm-hmm. there is no specific aesthetic or anything right and yeah. and that's fine you know there's th- there's kind of space for everyone it's the things to to steal a phrase from uh jerry lauren it's the the things you love to love 
Right. You know? Uh, Who, by the way, is... The things I love to love. Come in here. Yes. Yeah. Jerry came, which was amazing. What did that... uh, He's he's just... He's incredible. What did that feel like when... You know, so you're off on your own. You're doing your own thing. You've you've left home, you know, air quote, Ralph Lauren. And now your boss's boss comes in here. I mean, it, it wasn't to show face. I mean, they don't... You don't need to if you're Jerry Lauren. What did uh, that mean? I mean, it, it was it was really spectacular. Uh, you know, Jerry was was uh, just just such a wonderful person to work for, and uh, he yeah he, he came in one day and yeah uh, we actually kind of spent the day together. It was, it was a real? lot of fun. Yeah, we hadn't seen each other in a little bit, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was great. So some of the stuff in, in vintage and and because you said like you're buying stuff all the time and you know obviously you have a lot of things but it's not like when it's sold it's not it's gone you know like you're you're constantly getting stuff. What is it that you look for? Because you, you earlier you mentioned these are the things that I like and that I would sell. What are those things? I mean, for me, you know, if I'm feeling really lazy, I will just tell people that it's basically the world of Ralph Lauren because I think that that I. The things I sell would pretty much fit into that. I would agree with that. that spectrum. Yeah, um, it is a lot of uh, kind of traditional menswear. Um, it ranges from the turn of the century, turn of the nineteenth century at the very earliest, mm-hmm. and runs up through the nineteen sixties, essentially. Okay. Having said that, I break that rule a lot. Because I I sell a lot of great stuff from really wonderful traditional makers that might not be you know that might be from the seventies or the eighties. Right. Um, obviously, vintage Ralph Lauren. Yeah. Is not from the thirties, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, there there there's a lot of great Savile Row that I have that could be from the nineties, but it's such a classic cut and such incredible quality that who cares? Right. You know? Right. Um. That's that's pretty much my criteria. And in terms of the, the categories, it's really, uh, you know, I'm very heavy on tailored clothing, but I also do military and I do yeah. workwear and it's a, it's a real mix. Yeah. Um, you know, earlier while we were talking, you talked about how you have all these, you know, these other people in your life who were, you know, really kind of shepherding you and mentoring you and you know, helping you along with that. Is there anyone like that now that you're trying to provide that to? Is there, is there another Sean Crowley or someone out there that you're like, Hey, I, I, I can help this person. That's a great question. I, you know, I, I have a lot of great interactions with, um, customers and I have a, a few, um, very young customers who I've really tried to, uh, kind of shepherd, mm-hmm. but, um, I wouldn't say that I really have that kind of relationship with any of them because it's, I think for me, those relationships were so much about time and proximity. And, you right. know, it was people that I was spending hundreds, thousands of hours with, you know, just for long periods of time traveling with and, you know, kind of people, whether they're young or old, you know, people that are new to menswear, mm-hmm. um, I think because we can kind of, kind of download our knowledge, you know, in an afternoon mm. that I think sometimes people can skip the process of, of, of like the, the osmosis, the, the natural kind of, 
um, you know, the, just the learning of, of, of your likes and dislikes and kind of what, what radiates with you, what, what, you know, what, uh, what, what turns you on, what you like, what you don't like. And, um, I think sometimes people get so bogged down in the, the details right and the the right and the wrong and the rules and all that 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 they 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 don't stop to smell the flowers you know they don't they don't stop to think you know what what really you know i don't care what i should like what do i like interesting so for me you know most of my um the kind of menswear schooling was through you know looking at uh, you know, apparel arts or, or going to the library and checking out books on costume history and just, just voraciously pursuing any scrap of information on this stuff that I liked, whether that meant, you know, going to uh, Brooks Brothers as a kid and, and bugging the salespeople or whether it meant, you know, talking to, uh, you know, my grandfather talking to stylish men or, whether it meant, you know, calling, you know, calling people. I mean, I would call people, you know, like cold call people. Would you really? Um, yeah. And, and learned so much that way. And just basically just had to cross-reference all these kind of disparate little pieces of information and synthesize and try to make sense of it all. And that was how I, I built this, this body of knowledge and, and, and taste. Um, but it was a, it was a gradual process, you know. There was no, there was no like menswear.com. you know. There was no. Right, I, th- right. I think I made that up, but you know, it wasn't like I could just go somewhere and instantly have or go to one place. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. go to one place. Yeah. Um, you know, Bobby's was probably the closest I had to that, and that was for me. That was the biggest education. There wasn't the. It wasn't Bobby teaching me verbally. You know, and saying, well, the history of this style of trouser is that, you know, it wasn't that. It was about, it was about handling the stuff. Mm. And I think that is, that's one thing that I, I tell people is invaluable in terms of learning is, is getting your hands on the stuff. Right. And, you know, just trying it on, whether it fits you or not, you know, trying things on and turning them inside out and looking at them and looking at the construction and feeling the quality. And, and I think you can learn so much. You can learn from good things and you can, you can learn from bad things. I mean, going, even going to, I don't find great stuff in thrift stores a lot, but, but, you know, even, even going to a thrift store and just sorting through the racks is an education. I think there's, there's, you just cannot underestimate the value of, of the, I heard someone recently refer to it as haptic skills, which I thought was was a mm. perfect way to put it. Was the the actual tactile experience of you know this is all stuff, right? It's all things. So it's really about the the the, the feel. A, a question that I get sometimes, and this is something that I'm curious, like how do you handle? Um, a lot of times, people's excitement over things what maybe it's an accomplishment that you made or something you did or whatever that is. Um, and people want to know why or how. Um, and sometimes it borders into like a perfect example. Someone's like, this is cool. Where do you get everything? Oh. And it's just like, well, I've spent my whole life trying to do this. And, and it's like, how is, how do you handle ways in which you're honoring someone's curiosity, 
but still protecting your own trade? Sure. Yeah, that, that's that's a, a solid question. I mean, um, the, the the funny thing is that it's not even like a, a trade secret. You right. know, there there isn't, you know, if you like, you know, once you get to level fifty, you tortured get to, me yeah. and, and you know got the the secret um, of you know where I find all these things. Yeah, it, it isn't. Uh, it isn't really. There is no single answer, um, and and it's really it is a combination of a million varied sources and my particular knowledge and taste and and that's it. You know, there it's not like well, there's this warehouse that I go to. Yeah. Every other Tuesday, they only let in. This is the code, and <laughs> and I I roll up with a with a moving truck, and they fill it up with vintage. You know, yeah, it's not like that. Um, it's really, it is. It runs the game. I basically tell people anywhere you could find old things, that's where I find things. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, Mr. Crowley. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. All right. Take care. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more Blamo. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder, editing by Brendan Finn, and we're produced by Blamo Media. Follow along with us on Instagram at Blamo Podcast and leave a review for us on your favorite podcast app. If you want even more Blamo, head over to patreon.com forward slash Blamo to join the Blam fam and get access to additional interviews, a community slack, special events, and more. And best of all, you're supporting the show. Thanks so much. We'll see you soon.